0: You are listening to Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition podcast, episode 029. Welcome to the Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition. This is the only podcast that will share and teach actionable and biblical marketing strategies to empower you, the value-based business owners and Christian entrepreneurs. Learn to communicate your message effectively in this noisy world so you can finally earn more, serve more. And give more. Now, here is your host Kelly Botter. Hello, Kelly Botter here. Welcome to God the NBA Podcast. Amy tower is a producer of Savvy, Sexy, Social, a YouTube series dedicated to helping you live your day so you can love your life. This proactive lifestyle channel has amassed a community from over 179 countries whose viewers have contributed more than 3 million views. A co-founder and video marketing consultant at Aftermark, Amy has helped clients discover brand awareness through video blog content and Is writing her first book on the topic. At the time of releasing this episode, you were already able to order her book. She also is an internationally acclaimed public speaker and entertainer. Amy has worked on stages from her hometown of Columbus, Ohio, all the way To the other side of the world, in the Philippines, while achieving high marks at the world's most influential marketing events, such as Social Media Marketing World and HubSpots Inbound. Now, in this episode, we will learn some golden nuggets from her, such as Top 3 Common Mistakes of Video Creating. Pay attention to this or you will waste your time, energy and resources. The best way to utilize Facebook Live, and I guarantee you you haven't heard anything that we discuss in this episode. And Facebook Live versus YouTube Live. Are you excited? I hope so. Now, let's check with Amy. Hello, Amy. It's so happy you are here. I'm so happy to be here, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Oh, my goodness. I remember we finally met in person in New Media Europe that you did a fantastic job there speaking.
1: Oh, thank you. Oh, that was such a fun trip. It was so great to meet you there. And what a great crew out in Manchester. Everybody came out and, oh, they were hustling for some new media info. So it was great.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, Amy, you know, I mean, a lot of people, when today they come to your YouTube channel, right, and people is like, oh my goodness, she's so great, you know, she looks very polished, the content is fantastic, she seems to know everything, (laughs) you know, what we need. But is that okay for you to share a little bit about, you know, how did you transit from you work in corporate job and made that the transition to become this well-known vlogger today.
1: Well, sure. So I've been on YouTube for some time uh, since the early days. I just went to YouTube to upload videos that I enjoyed editing. I found a tool to put it there, and that's really how it started. And it took some time for that to take place where I started a side hustle outside of my full-time job because small businesses were coming to me and saying, that's so cool that you've figured out how to create videos and upload them online. Is there any way you can give us insight on this thing called Facebook that people are just telling us we need as a business? So that's sort of how my side hustle started. That was back in 2010 where I was vlogging and I was sharing videos on YouTube, but I was also working alongside my full-time job with small businesses on how they can ramp up their Facebook presence to, you know, grow awareness online. And so that started everything. It wasn't until 2011 that I finally made the jump and said, this is really growing. This is becoming sort of an incredible opportunity. It's certainly where my passion lies. So I finally made the decision at the beginning of 2011 to go full speed ahead and start my own business full time. Well, rather continue the business I was already doing but grow it to a full time rate. And that was really just social media execution. And and with that, with social media being so reliant on video content, my expertise in video and YouTube really became handy as I was growing that offering for my customer and and went on to become more video content consulting with social media as well as the social side. So yeah, it was really a side hustle for about a year before I was like, oh my gosh, I think i got to go do this full time. There's not enough hours in the day. I can't give 40 <laughs> hours to somebody else anymore. But there was a lot of hustle and networking and and side business stuff that had to happen in order for that to work.
0: Well, since we are in that topic, I really love recently your series called uh, Freedom Economy. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about, you know, kind of show the for the side hustler how to really manage your time and things. You know, you guys should really go to check it out.
1: Yeah, you guys check it out. I mean, I I will say quickly, the Freedom Economy was inspired by the sponsor of that series, which is Spara. And they're like a project management and they kind of help you with your billing and make everything cohesive in one tool. They inspired that series and it has been so much fun. There are so many small businesses um, that kind of take a lot of cues in terms of freelancing, how, of how they can better manage their time and execute. And so it's really been helpful for a lot of people. Thanks for mentioning that because I've gotten great feedback on this that. I'm hoping I can continue it because it's really only set for five episodes. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. I hope you do as well. And you know, Amy, there are many vloggers out there. I I gotta say that, you know, your personal style of down to earth and hardworking of consistency really stood out in the field. And uh, recently, you have launched after Mark with your Mm -hmm. Business and, well, now I can say life
1: partner as well, right? Life partner. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. you. Uh, Yeah, Okay, I let you pronounce his name.
1: It's Vincenzo Landino. Okay. See, that's very Italiano. It was very Italian, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I have a super German last name, so it's very odd the the combination of the two. It's like, oh, can't can't you guys just have an easy name? No, probably yeah, not. No, no.
0: <laughs> you guys should come to Switzerland then, because here it's a German, Italian, oh, yeah. and French all together, right?
1: Sounds like a great idea.
0: <laughs> I love how you guys say in the video in the website, and I never heard. Other people talk about that. "Quote: It's not about beating your competitors, but meeting your customers. Mm. Only v vi- and then you say that you guys are the only video consultancy. The value consistency over content. Every connection counts. Oh, I love this. Every upload, every comment. Step to someone's life and share your story." leave your mark
1: oh my goodness sounds so great when you say it <laughs> i love it
0: <laughs> can you explain elaborate a little bit further for us how do we apply that to our small business
1: so this is really important. And we wanted to make that differentiation because Aftermark is really geared toward a more medium to large size business that works with us. But the facts are the same across the board. When you end up working with a bigger business like that, they value things like production quality and sort of the bells and whistles. But these days with video and certainly a point for small businesses to keep in mind as well, because it's not just the bit. We have to remind all businesses about this because we can get really caught up in quality when it comes to video. The reality is your video is worthless if you are not staying consistent with what you do. And so, you know, that's that's just a testament to how can we create value for the audience that's not just going to be a one-time thing. You're not going to, sp- we don't want you to spend a million dollars on one video. It's not going to be 000, 000, <laughs> a million dollars, but a lot of businesses will go full on for one piece of content, think they can repurpose it true to form across the board, and you just can't do that. A video that's made for YouTube is not going to be the same experience on Facebook. You have to customize it there and then customize it on Twitter. So that's one video that you have to do that. Not to mention the fact that that one video goes up one time, maybe a couple more if it's if it's on a fast moving stream like Twitter. And then you have to get something else out there. Consistency is what it's about. It's not about how fancy your editing is or the quality of the camera. It's about what you can do right now to continue to stay top of mind for your customer. And that's why we really talk about consistency. And the competitor side is, I think that's also quality tends to get inspired by that as well. Businesses get very caught up in what their competitors are doing or not doing, and they want to beat them, so to say. But the real thing that we're talking about here is not about beating your competitor. It's about making that personal connection with the people that are going to love you and want to buy from you. So the best possible thing you can do in that scenario is stay top of mind for them. And so that's why we really combined that that phraseology into our mantra because it's consistency that matters it's not just about video it could be about posting photos on instagram it could be about blogging all of these things it doesn't matter what it is what the content strategy is we specialize in video it's the consistency that's key it's remi- it's reminding your customer that you are their peer which is why social media is so special so you have to stick around you have to continue to talk to them you have to continue to get your message out there you have to continue to talk about things they care about if they don't know even know who you are so that's really why we we talk about that and that's important for a small business medium business or a large business
0: yeah exactly and when you say stay to someone's life share your story leave your mark how about that part
1: I think that's really the action item that we have for everybody. When you finally do take that story and put it in the context of why someone else would care about it. And I get that question a lot. I just spoke last week and somebody said, I'm not fun. I don't like making fun videos. I'm a very serious business person and we have very serious (laughs) business. And it's like that's cool and everything but they you know the, in the same breath they'll say our story is so great how do we get the customer to care about our story no one is going to care about your story more than you do period mm. so how do you make it about something that someone else cares more about than you do that's the reality and that's that's content that is that's all we're all trying to do so when you leave your mark you are putting your story out there in a way that someone would already care about it whether they know who you are or not. So, you know, a a simple example and a very, very basic tutorial. And I gave the example to this guy. My mission is to get each and every one of you listening to create video and really get your brand out there in a personable way. But video can be very hard to sort of jump into. It's kind of overwhelming. And also you may not even be thinking about it, but a lot of people in the same community that I would be encouraging to create video might be thinking about Twitter or how they can grow their Twitter following. So for me to get on your radar, I might want you to create video, but that's the story I'm telling. The story that you're focused on right now is growing an online presence on Twitter. So for me, I'm going to make a video that's geared toward helping you in that effort, how to get more followers on Twitter so that you will just meet me so that you will find me so that you will then subscribe to my YouTube channel. then in turn, maybe learn more about creating video, but I have to get you into my circle first. And the only way to do that is to leave my mark on you in a special way to educate you on something you care about, not me.
0: So yeah, that's exactly why the first sentence is about meeting. Mm-hmm. to meet your customers where they are. Yeah,
1: that's right.
0: Yeah. So Amy, what would you say that the top three to four, let's say mistakes that the common mistake that entrepreneur business owners, they make when you start a video content creating journey?
1: I think first and foremost, people click record and they start introducing themselves. And if you have done your job as a as a content creator, you know that you're creating a piece of content to meet them at their level of understanding. And if let's go back to the other example that I used, you know, or let's just use a different example. Let's say you're in some sort of cooking field or baking or something and you're teaching somebody how to make a souffle. If you open up that video with who you are, what you do, what your company is called, how you can find me online and all of these things and you go into an elevator pitch when the video starts, I'm confused because you told me the headline of this video is how to make a souffle. Right now I'm being educated on what you do. You need to skip that. You need to treat everyone like they have been watching you for years. Give them loyalty treatment and say, hey, here we go. Here's how you do it. Because if you get straight into the content and skip the boring intro, that's making you really unrelatable anyway. Because I think we we have a tendency <laughs> to do that. And it's so awkward. It's awkward for ourselves to say our own elevator pitch. So do you think it's being received well on the other end of the video? It's really not. So go just go straight into the content. Don't even question that they're going to love it so much that they will get to the end of the video and that is when you close. And that's when you say, hey, thanks for watching. If you didn't know this series is called X, my name is Y and you should go to this website and learn more or subscribe. Close with your call to action, don't open with it. And a lot of times we, we confuse that. That's a really big mistake that people make. Yeah. Another one is focusing way too much on production value. As we've said, you have my permission to get started with what, Ever you have. I know YouTubers that started on on the platform in 2005, 2006 that used a webcam that was highly more acceptable then, but it doesn't mean you can't do it now. There are podcasters who still do their interviews with webcams and they will uh, I, we might even uh, should have done it here, but the <laughs> video, the video you would then get put on YouTube and and that's a webcam quality. Who cares? You have a smartphone in your pocket right now that has very high quality HD and and even easier to use than some of the finest cameras out there that you can go out and spend thousands of dollars on. But if you don't know how to use it right, you should have used your smartphone in the first place because the thing can do so much. I mean, if you look at an iPhone today, the the ability that it has to help you create flawless video is incredible, which is why so much smartphone video is is absolutely acceptable these days, and why Snapchat and Instagram video is becoming more and more popular. People like to see, you use a relatable tool to relate to them. Your green screen and your suit and your you know, uh, DSLR camera are not relatable to them. It doesn't mean they're inappropriate all the time, but you can absolutely start making video and it'd be as simple as holding a button down on your phone. And th- that's it. There are plenty of brands on Snapchat only. That literally requires nothing more than a smartphone. So that's, that's a really big mistake uh, that I think people make. And the Uh, The last one I'll just say is thinking, like I said before, you can create a video and upload it everywhere. You just can't. I'll give you an example of why Instagram kind of had to make a recent move that they did and maybe they had plans to do it all along. But if you're familiar with Instagram, it used to just be posting a photo or a video and now they have stories. They completely ripped off Snapchat stories and they added it to their platform. They know it. They totally agree with the fact that they did it and it's (laughs) fine because what happened was when they gave us the ability to upload video as a post on Instagram, it killed their in-app time. People were uploading one-minute videos to, to Instagram. Nobody goes to Instagram to watch videos. They go there to scroll and double tap, scroll and double tap, scroll and double tap. They heart things. They might comment on things. And the engagement and in-app time went down. So they stole stories and they, they're starting to ramp that back up. That's a fine example of the fact that you cannot create a video for YouTube and therefore go post it on Instagram and expect it to be successful. They're going to inflate whatever view count you have over there. They especially do that on Facebook. It's not the same. Great example. My videos are so much fun. Kelly will tell you.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I can just eat my cereal bowl and I
1: just watch that thing for... (laughs) Or like a series after series. That's awesome. So but but here's the thing: they're fun on YouTube because when Kelly watches my video, she has to click play on YouTube. She chooses that video and she clicks play. On Facebook, if I natively upload a video to Facebook, which means it's gonna automatically play in the news feed, that is a disruptive view. Uh, my video is just gonna start playing in the feed. Which is not you you asking for me. It's me disrupting whatever pattern you are already in in the feed. Those experiences are very different. So on YouTube, when Kelly k- clicks play on my video, I have about eight seconds to convince her to stay. That's the average time that somebody decides to stay. But on Facebook, it automatically registers as a view if she sees it, sees it, no audio. It's just playing on her feed for three seconds. And if she scrolls past it, she didn't watch it for longer than three seconds. But I still get credited with a view. Engagement sucks. The experience sucks. The reason why my videos don't work is because I'm a fairly talking head in most of my videos. If you hear me talking, it's a lot of fun. So it's a great experience on YouTube. If I'm just a talking head with no audio on Facebook, you're going to scroll right past me. I look like every other talking head video. It's not the same. So the biggest mistake that people make is saying, we made this video. We spent a thousand dollars on this video. We're going to upload it everywhere. We're going to upload it to YouTube, to Twitter, to Instagram, to Facebook, and not customize the experience across the board according to the context of each of those social platforms. So... I know that's a lot of like craziness and things I pulled into one big lesson here, but the reality is you just can't repurpose true to this exact same format across all social platforms because if that was true, Every single social platform would be the same. And we know that they are not. We go to Facebook for different reasons. Then we go to Twitter. Then we go to YouTube. Then we go to Instagram. Then we go to Snapchat. They're all different. And if you don't start seeing that your end user does that, that they only use two of those, that they go to them for different reasons, and that you need to customize the experience accordingly, your video is going to fail in whatever platform it was not created for. So that's my long-winded way of saying, customize the video for each experience. A basic example of how to do this, if you're going to upload the video to YouTube and to Facebook, on Facebook, it needs captions mm-hmm. because only 15% of the time is a video being audio activated. Somebody has to go into that video to open it full screen to hear it or they have to click on the little volume bar. They don't do that very often. But if you have captions going that kind of compel them to read and get them pulled into your almost talking head but still a little bit more movement kind of video, you might actually have a chance of getting them to watch more of it. That's just one example of customizing the experience.
0: Yeah, the SRT file, right?
1: Mm, for, yes, that's for,
0: right. Yeah, for the Facebook um, video. Amy, um, now I'm going to ask a question since we are in in that topic. I hope I don't put it on the spot. Sure, that's fine. What, what is your thought on what is the best usage for Facebook Live?
1: This is a great question. Here's First thing we need to know, at this stage of the game, Facebook... The creators, the people that are running that thing, they love Facebook Live. So if we want to make Facebook happy and we want some organic reach on that newsfeed, one way to do that is uploading native video, but they love Facebook Live. So one thing that you really need to keep in mind with Facebook Live is it's not the same as a, a regular video experience if it's a live experience, the audience wants a live experience. So you're not going to go live for two minutes. It's just not going to work out for you because as the newsfeed finds out you're live, it will begin to grow. People will join, people will comment, people will like, and the more that activity happens, the higher your video goes in the newsfeed, but most specifically when it's actually live. So you want to be live for a minimum of about 10 minutes. So that's something to think about now. I'll give you a great example. Instead of me uploading my video to YouTube and to Facebook, I would actually do my video greater justice by uploading it just on YouTube, going to my Facebook page and going live and saying, Hey everybody. Now I'm going to put the link of the YouTube video in my caption and tell them the topic of why I'm going live. And I'm going to get on and just chat with people for 10 minutes and let them know I have a new YouTube video for them to watch. This way, I get to keep all of my views in one place and I can really track audience retention and demographics over there. And I can get the most out of my Facebook feed by going live and giving Facebook and the audience on Facebook the experience they want, which is live. People don't think about live enough as a way of promoting another piece of content. They try to make it an individual piece of content. That doesn't mean it it isn't. But it can absolutely be on the back of something else because Facebook loves it so much and your audience wants to chat with you and the longer you're live and maybe you can answer some questions and say, here's why I created this video also, or here's why we're doing this special, or here's why you should go subscribe to our newsletter, whatever it is that you're promoting, sit there and just talk to the audience. The best thing you can do with live video is sit there and talk to the audience, just like we do with everything else. The only difference is that you're doing it in real time. So that's what I personally recommend. But there's also great... You can, you can host a show on Facebook. We For Aftermark, we have Afterthoughts. So we do create an individual piece of content on Facebook Live. And we have a very interactive video marketing show where we talk about what's happening in the news. But again, it's all about the audience. The features of it are that we're talking about content. The actual reason it's happening is to communicate directly with our community.
0: And after you guys finish the show... Do you also mm-hmm. download that
1: video and upload to YouTube at all? No, we've considered that, but still right now it's, we are trying to make it so interactive and stay true to the purpose that it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Because if you're, if think about all that, like if I'm talking to a million different audience members, like Joe just said this, what do you think about that? Or, yeah. or, Oh, I love what she just said. Or thanks Kelly for liking this or whatever. You're having this whole live experience, the replay on on Facebook won't be so bad because you'll be able to kind of see the comments sitting there with the video. But if we take that video, rip it down and upload it to YouTube where it's been a mostly interactive experience, but you weren't a part of it, you're just watching it on a completely different platform. It's just not, it's not a good experience. So it's really tough for us to repurpose that over to YouTube. The better move would be to go to that video, pull it down and find sound bites within the video that were not reliant on interaction, but do drive home a, a, an important point. Let's say I go on a 30 second, 45 second or two minute tangent and I'm just giving my advice on Facebook live or, or anything like life, whatever we could take that down and make it a video on YouTube because now it has a specific individual purpose as a portion of that live show. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, may.
0: Perfect sense.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's how I would do it. But we, we haven't gotten into the habit of doing that yet. Right now, we're focusing on just the interactiveness of the show.
0: Well, which is great. And what is your take on between the Facebook Live versus YouTube Live?
1: Well, this is interesting. So, with Facebook Live, there's a considerable upside right now because on Facebook, you might have a few likes, you definitely have a bunch of friends. And so when you go live, the interaction that's happening has the ability to spread amongst people's friends. Mm. So let's say somebody starts to comment or you ask them to share and people share to their timeline and now all anyone that's friends with them now could potentially see your live stream. That's fantastic for virality's sake for getting new people in. On YouTube when you go live, Right at this point and, and and still I haven't gotten access to like the mobile live feature that they're planning on rolling out eventually to everybody. But what you can do right now is go live fairly typically like with Google Hangouts on air or something like that you are limited with whatever your reach is there in terms of how many subscribers you have on YouTube, if they're seeing you in the subscription feed and where you share that live stream to your other social networks. So the, the, for virality sake, it's a little bit more difficult for the average small business user that doesn't have a tremendous following to get the word out about their live stream on YouTube. It really is just for interactive sake. But if you're doing it to be discovered right now, Facebook has the upper hand. I hope that changes. I would like to see YouTube let people get a little bit outside of their subscribers right now. Mm. But that's truly what's happening. If I go live on YouTube right now, anyone that's subscribed to me will get notified, which is awesome. But if I wanted my impact to be a little bit bigger than that, I can ask them to share and hopefully that will work. But if you ask someone to share on Facebook, the upside To the automatic play and the disruptive view (laughs) is that when they share you and you're live, your face is just playing live on somebody's timeline and they're like, what's my friend watching? And they might click in. It's a little bit more seamless of a process to grow awareness right now over there.
0: Wonderful answer, Amy, because oh, I'm asking, I'm asking this question, part of it's my selfish, my, my, my own, my own question, but actually many of them that's are. Good. Those are the best questions, the, <laughs> selfish, the selfish question. I pull uh, to Facebook group, the community to ask a question. So, Great. so that's awesome. So Amy, you know, again, the, Part of this podcast's mission, you know, when I interview all these awesome guests and experts and influencers, it's, I want to, you know, people know that it's just like your mission is, you know, encourage everybody. They can use video to, you know, uh, create content and do their thing and impact, impact lives. And so part of this podcast's mission is to let the audience know that, you know, all the influencers, experts, they are just human. Mm -hmm. So, so meaning that in the journey, you know, uh, we probably all made some funny thing and or embarrassed moments or something that, that you care to share maybe one of those.
1: Well, I think pretty much every day in business is really funny or a little bit embarrassing because we're all just (laughs) trying to like figure it out as we go. Probably, I I guess like the first thing that comes to mind when I think about a funny moment in my business was actually in 2012, I I was really just about a year into this full-time business and it was going really, really well, but I hadn't really considered my role as an influencer at all. And I was really just consulting, I was doing some execution, but an opportunity came along to, um, go on a sponsored road trip and all you had to do was submit a video, which was like, nobody was doing this. You had to submit a video to actually apply and everyone that was applying was submitting a video, but they were bloggers. So should they go on this sponsored road trip, they would be blogging the whole trip. But I thought, I just thought it was so funny that they wanted a video from people to, apply, but they didn't have anybody applying to vlog the trip. So I, <laughs> so I just so happened to get selected and it was probably the funniest and weirdest two weeks of my business because we literally drove around four of us, three bloggers and myself, one of them being Matthew Kimberly, who is a internationally public speaker. That's how I met Matt Kimberly. He and myself and two other bloggers, we drove around the West coast with a rental car company and that was hilarious because i couldn't believe that somebody was asking me to do this not because they needed me to help them with strategy but more because i was going to be an influencer for them that they were sending me around to do this and um i'll just give you a, a specific example like i was vlogging this whole trip i was making videos of the whole trip and it's so it's really funny to watch back but one moment I was I was driving the rental car, and we were driving in Arizona. And what I didn't know is when you're driving in Arizona and you're close to the Mexican border, even if you're not passing the border, they will screen your car. So we got pulled over, and I was just trying to think like, okay, we didn't do anything. Wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. And I had to say the right answer to this guy that opened. You know, I down I lowered the window and I gave him my registration and my license and everything, and he's like. Is everyone in the car American? And I was like, yes, everyone is yes. Because I was like, we didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. And then he let us go. We drove away. And I look over in the passenger seat at Matt Kimberly. And he looks at me like, I am not American. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot you were an American. (laughs) So we had this like whole, I was like, we have to vlog this. And so we did this whole video and I was like, oh my God, great story. I totally forgot that Matt Kimberly was not American. it was just like, (laughs) I don't know why, but that's the first story I thought of. That is how like outside of my box being an influencer was for me in 2012.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it it reminded me that, um, well, obviously I don't look like Swiss and I'm not Swiss. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and my husband is Swiss. Then my son was born in USA. We live in USA for over 10 years. So yeah. he's American and Swiss. And my uh my husband actually was a born as a German. He was adopted by the mm. Swiss family. So from the beginning, when we traveled to airport, we have four different passports mm.
1: uh between oh Swiss
0: T- Swiss Taiwanese German and American. So yeah. the, the immigration officer, every time look at us, say, What are you? <laughs> uh,
1: <yeah. laughs> you clarify what's going on. Yeah, here. yeah. So
0: we have a, uh, uh, luckily, the Swiss government, they have a the called family book. So we register yeah. as a family. So yeah, here we go. We are family. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm super excited that your book. Finally, girl. Finally, know, you have. I know, right? A book. I know.
1: I trust me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us your book. Tell us the That's name it. of the book, please. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, finally, after all these years of of coaching and consulting and creating video, I wrote my first book. It's called Vlog Like a Boss. How to Kill It Online with Video Blogging, and um, I'm really excited. It's a very tactical book because tactical is my middle name. If you've ever seen my videos, you know I like to give the tactics and tell you how to do things. And I, I basically just finally wrote the manual. I took all the ideas that I've put out on YouTube over the years and the things I've put on my podcast and my and my blog and everything, and finally made the manual for it. So I want people to really own the vlog, and and I wanted people to know that it is video, but I think people connect more with the word vlog because it kind of breaks down a little bit of that barrier to entry you feel like there's there, especially when you're over qualifying, like the quality of the video and you're not getting started because of a specific reason. We're just video blogging. Let's get our story out there. Let's be consistent. Let's get to our customer where they are right now. And that's the book I wrote. I'm so excited. It's out January 31. So Yay. so now, well,
0: that's not kidding, right? Write and launch a book. It's tough. Oh,
1: seriously. It really is.
0: <laughs> well, it's I'm probably not so why sure. It's
1: not so long, but, yeah.
0: <laughs> but, you know, is any specific reason prompt you to write this book?
1: The reason is partially because it's been a dream of mine to write a book. I am an avid reader. I believe that when somebody puts their time and energy and expertise into a 300-page book, that they were doing that so that you will instantly become better. And I have become better because of so many books. Um, I found it to be odd that somebody that creates videos would write a book instead of make a movie, but it's still <laughs> what I had to do. And I think the biggest thing is just because of my speaking career, I travel all over the world to speak very frequently. And it's something I'm very passionate about. But um, it's tough to be a speaker and not have a book because it's like when people see you speak, they're like, where's your book? Like, where's let me book? buy your book. Like, <laughs> it's like the next natural step. And I'm I'm missing that step. And I don't want to hold people back once I've inspired them for 45 minutes to an hour. If they're ready to take the next step with video and that thing is a book, then I need to, I need to give them that medium. And so that was a big, that was a big part of it as well. Yeah. I'm it's sure. about meeting your audience where they are. If they want a book, you got to give them a book. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm sure that when these episodes go, go live that, you know, uh, we will have a link, everything, you know. Oh,
1: heck yeah. I yeah. mean, it's a, if, you, if you're if you going live on the day, it's in Amazon already. It's going to be in Amazon for uh, pre-order as well. So at the very minimum, you'll see it there.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So, Amy, one last question. So what is one of those godly MBA moments that the moment you realize you are doing You know, your business, uh, your content out there is way beyond just business transactions.
1: I think there were a number of things, but I will point out just one. I think the biggest thing to remember is the reason I started creating video in my business was because it was something that I knew. I could use to differentiate myself and that is still true for anyone today you can still do that there are still so many people and companies who are not leveraging video and for me in 2011 the marketers on YouTube sucked like they were bad (laughs) like it was just like default talk to webcam ramble on and it was bad and I was able to make education fun which is why we call it you know edutainment but that wasn't even like the rock solid moment for me because it just felt natural to me. It was just like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to educate my potential customers with this medium. And that this is where I'll do it. And people started watching and it grew and grew and that was awesome. But it wasn't until I started speaking and my first gigs came just from local universities and they were like, Oh, you want to speak? And I was like, Oh yeah, sure. Whatever. I didn't really think about it as something that was part of the career. And I certainly thought it was weird that people just figured I could speak when I had no experience. And, but they looked at my YouTube channel and they just kind of guessed. And that was life changing because when I started speaking, And I realized when I got done with barely any practice, but able to talk about my business like I could do it in my sleep, able to talk to people nonstop for an hour because I got so good at talking to a camera where no one's in the room, all of that practice led me to become a speaker. And the moment when you get off stage, specifically at the beginning, but when you get off stage and you have a line of people who want to talk to you and ask you more questions and are compelled by what you just had them sit through for an hour because you're powerful as a speaker. You can make people sit there, they can go to sleep, they can listen, they can love it. But if they love it and it's starting to make a difference in their mind pattern, that's godly MBA right there. That's huge because that's the moment that I was like, I'm not just a video blogger. I am not just a social media consultant. I'm not just a video consultant. I'm actually advising people on how to communicate their story effectively and they want it. They really want this and to be able to speak where so many people struggle with that skill set. And for me, it just came naturally because of all the practice that I had gone through with creating video and then and then taking any speaking engagement that would have me um, until I finally got to a point where I could charge. That was life changing. That was business and life changing because there are not very many people that are what I'm calling the new triple threat youtuber author speaker and I'm a female in that space and that's powerful
0: exactly and Amy I gotta say I have followed you for a while and I don't know you intentionally to do this or not but as an audience. I see that you transit from okay tactical right you teach people how to do the tactical thing in social media or in in for the video wise, but then recently you change you transit to more and more like I will call that self leadership mm. uh for the entrepreneurs right mm-hmm. and uh, I love that you are maybe it's the newest video talk about it's not. I think your call is it, not easier, or is it not, not? It was. It was.
1: It was really embarrassing. Was what? 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 The title was. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no. No. But it's true because I clicked on it because I thought I'm. I'm curious what you want to say about. It's really getting easier for you to to shoot a video now or not? Right. Right. A lot of people they have this problem. The blog, The major block is that you know, face that camera and then speak to that camera like I speak to a person. So I'm so happy that you share that video, though.
1: Thank you. Yeah, that was that was important. I think what you're noting is a, a, a very intentional shift, because it's always been very important for me to speak to my audience in the context that they they want to be based on the platform. And how-to's and search-worthy content on YouTube are extremely valuable and I have a healthy amount of traffic that comes from search. But it's even better if I can take my existing audience and break down a personal instance or a personal story that can remind them of a tactic without being like on my soapbox telling you how to do something. So even though it's easy for me to just go, don't worry, it's hard for everybody to start making video at the beginning instead of saying that and you just take my word for it, why don't I tell you a story of when it was really hard for me? Because it's hard for everybody at the beginning. So that's what I did. Thanks for providing that example. I think it really resonated with people and um, that the thought that you have to be perfect and high quality and funny and amazing out the gate is just impossible and ridiculous
0: yeah exactly well Amy I cannot thank you enough I mean you have dropped as Chris Docker said a lot of value bombs today that's right
1: all the value bombs
0: (laughs) thank you thank you so much Amy I cannot thank you enough and guys please go to get that book the link will be here in the show notes because (laughs) you are the only one in the whole 7 billion people and we need you to shine Thank you so much, Amy.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Kelly.
0: I trust you have enjoyed this episode as much as I did. For today's show notes, please visit kellybottler.com forward slash So you also can find Amy's book as well. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We know you have given us your most valuable treasure, your time. And we don't take it lightly. We truly appreciate it. Please, please do share, subscribe, and give us your honest reviews on iTunes at kellybother.com forward slash review. So my team and I can continuously produce valuable content for you. Remember, all the goodies we mentioned today and the show notes is at kellybotter.com. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Godly MBA podcast. For more actionable marketing tips and strategies and today's show notes, visit www.kellybotter.com.